I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, why does Paul's look like that, yo? (laughs) He's frozen on my end. Am I the only one that sees this? Go ahead, pals. Start us off, baby. Let's go. I can't hear anything. You guys hear me? What's up, guys? Yeah. Welcome to bring it, baby. Of Philly Phil decided not to join us tonight, but that's so we're going to hold the fourth down. Thank you to everybody that likes, follows, subscribes to all of our platforms. Thank you to everybody that's tuned into the live stream tonight. If you haven't already, please go ahead and share it. Hey, take us away. All right, everybody. Episode 112 of P&I Powered by Playmaker is brought to you by Prize Picks, your home for daily fantasy sports. Okay. Also, the usual, we are live right now. At the Props Network at PropsHQ.com. Be sure to go over there and subscribe. I do not know what you're waiting for with all this football coverage. You won't find it any better than here at PI. Last but not least, okay. Merch, fantastic fabric. You can see Nick Theories has our hoodie on. All right. You can see this mug I got in my hand. All this. Courtesy of IPP Pressworks, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. If you want P&I merchandise, please DM us today for pricing and details. Pauls has the white mug. Go ahead, show us that one more time, Pauls. Heat. All heat. There you go. All right. Fantastic fabric, fantastic ceramics, all that shit. (laughs) All that other shit. So, guys, we have an announcement for everybody um, to start off the show, as you can see, it's a different layout tonight. Philly Bill is not with us for tonight. Um, this show tonight is also our only show this week. That's right. Do not have a show this Thursday. So our next show after this one is going to be next Thursday. So two one-show weeks in a row. All right. We will obviously keep you posted on everything but for tonight, tonight we have a mix of a recap from the weekend and then a preview of the upcoming week. We're not going to give you our picks, though. We're going to preview the games and we're going to post our picks to social media on Thursday for the Thursday night football game. So everybody has the usual information courtesy of PNI. All right. Stay tuned. Everybody for that. ready to go? Bored. Come on, cuz. If you already know where we got to start. The Philadelphia Eagles. All right. The Eagles are the only undefeated team remaining in the NFL. They face the Cardinals in Arizona. They are already favored at five points on the road facing the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Guys, let's, let's go back to the game, though. The Eagles game versus the Jags. 
They went down 14 zip early. They come back, they dominate, and took control of the game. Is there anything that made you worried about this performance, or you still think the Eagles are legit and maybe they just were a little rusty to start? Uh, no, not too much. I mean, if anything, I was encouraged to get down by 14 uh, to a team that's top five in offense and I mean, top 10 in offense and defense. I mean, I thought it was impressive to come back like that, to be honest. Um, it just shows resilience. Uh, it showed Nick Sirianni making adjustments on the fly quick. Um, I mean, it was just, you know, it started out muddy, but you have to win games ugly too. Not every game is going to be a blowout. Like, you know, when like the Bills against Miami and things like that, you need to learn to win games like that. And even if it's against a team that's not as good as you or anything like that, like those are just, these are moments to build on. These are growth moments. These are moments that you learn from when you get down into game 15, 16, 17, and you're getting ready for your playoff run. You can lean on things like this and you can learn from this. I love it, Paul's theories. What are you thinking? Are you worried at all about the Eagles in this performance? No, there's nothing to worry about. It was a monsoon. Did you did you see the weather? It didn't stop raining for like four days. It's, it's still raining. So no, I mean, <laughs> weather play a factor. They got down fourteen nothing to a team that is kind of hot right now. You know they're playing really good football. So I mean, look, the Eagles came back. They won and they played really well. I mean, look, to be down fourteen nothing in, in weather conditions like that and come back and winning, it says a lot about the team. I mean, this is a good football team. And I got to be honest with you guys. I think the Jags are a mirage. I think uh, they're just they're just playing good football right now. But you know, as you can see with Trevor Lawrence, he can't hold on to the football. He's 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 got his moments where he's good, but you know, he doesn't really put it all together. He you know he he dropped the ball like five times. Um, it's all about ball security in those kind of games, and he's got to know that. So uh, for me, I, I think the Jags are a mirage, but I think it was a great win for the Eagles. Uh, in terms of the totality of a winning team, so of, of a total team effort. Um, defensively, they started off slow, but and the offense did too. Then they started to click it together, you know, string along some uh, third down stops, get the offense back on the field, and, you know, start creating momentum. So um, I think they did a fantastic job, you know, when they were down 14 nothing, and from the point on. I love it from both of you. I got to be honest, too. Uh, I'm not worried. Yo. <laughs> I saw my face and I knew I said something wrong. Okay, because now I can actually see everything going on at every second right now. So, <laughs> you're crazy. Um, you know, I'm the, the Philadelphia Eagles, though, I think that this win actually shows you even more that they're for real because good teams find a way to get by in games like this. They were sloppy in the beginning. They decided, hey, we're going to settle things down. Nick Sirianni says, I'm going to run the football down the throat of that defense. Extra pause. But that's exactly what they did. I see Godfarb mention it. It's a great comment here. Godfarb saying they ran the ball. <coughs> very good run defense. And right, this is this is exactly what the Eagles did. Miles Sanders was dominant. Uh, the offensive line getting downhill in the rain, dominant. And what you saw in this game, I think, on both sides was the Eagles are just so good in the trenches that it can make up for deficiencies anywhere else in a game like this. For example, Darius Slay and Avante Maddox not being there in this game. It didn't even matter because the pass rush was getting through the Jags O-line eventually, and they were causing issues for Trevor Lawrence. 
Um, and then on the same, you know, on the other side, obviously the Eagles' offensive line, they allowed Jalen Hurts to settle in uh, as the game kept going forward, and he was totally fine after that. He played like his current MVP self. So I, too, am not worried about the Eagles. Uh, but let's go on the flip side here, and then we're going to go to the Jags, okay? The Cardinals, all right? So that they come back. They, they had their usual slow as shit first quarter. That is what they're known for. They cannot do anything in the first quarter this year. They're kind of not good in the first half. They go out. They control the Panthers in the second half of the game. They cruise. Um, Rondell Moore came back. Sorry, Paul. I didn't even say his name, okay? <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Oh, no, no, no. I wasn't even talking about that. I'll get to him in a minute. But yeah. I was laughing at Nick. Yeah, I think that's why he was laughing. But um, the Cardinals go on cruise control. So th- they're a, a tale of two stories here. They're a team that's, you know, they have moments, but then they have bad moments too. So, guys, with the Cardinals, do you think that this slow start issue is going to continue in this game against the Eagles and the Cardinals at home? Yeah, um, the Eagles play good defense. The Eagles are going to come after it. I mean, outside of um, – you know, Dorch or Green. I mean, who else do they have? D Hop ain't back yet. Um, the only thing the Eagles gotta be, you know, beware of is when Kyler Murray escapes the pocket. If they can keep him in the pocket and collapse the pocket, get interior pressure with the, with the uh, with uh, Cox and um, and Davis. If they can plug that middle, get after the quarterback along with Graham and everything, um, the Eagles are gonna smoke them. This is not even gonna be a game. I I, I think Kyler Murray is gonna make a mistake. Um, you saw it last week with the Panthers. He threw a pick six, regular shit. So I expect that again uh, with Kyler Murray, with the Eagles. Eagles have great corners. They've been playing fantastic football on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I, I, I just, I think the Eagles are going to score here at will. And uh, I just, I don't like the, I don't like the Cardinals here at all. Um, yeah, all. much of the same. To be honest, uh, I'm not worried about the Cardinals or a trap game. Um, I think the reason the Cardinals start out every game slow is because Cliff, because Cliff Kingsbury is a bottom five head coach, and I think that they get rolling. Ah. I think they get rolling once Kyler Murray starts to run around and starts, you know, doing doing what he can with his legs, and that's that's really all they got. But the Eagles, the Eagles should abuse that offensive line, and I don't like. I just I don't see it. I, and the reason like I don't I'm not buying into the trap game is because I just. I think the Eagles are that good. They haven't shown me that they that they let up or they let down. Nothing like that. I just I don't see it from them. And the Cardinals just they're banged up in in every position, to be honest. And yeah, like they did catch on in the second half of that game. But I mean, come on, the Panthers stink. So it's not Great it's nothing thing. nothing to <laughs> you know what I mean. It's nothing for me with that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I remember we were talking about the Eagles' schedule, and this struck me initially. Before we even saw the play game, this looked like a trap game here. But now, with the way things have gone, with the way the Eagles have been a resilient group, great leadership, great adjustments from the coaching staff, um, I, I just don't see how the Eagles don't win this game. And I, I don't even feel bad about this line. Um, I mean, obviously, as a road favorite, I, I'll preach a little bit of caution here with with the backdoor cover from the card, but I think the Eagles win this game. Um, 
And that, that's where I'm leaning right now. Like, I, I think the biggest issue with the Cardinals, besides the slow starts, is also the red zone offense. Um, and, yeah, I think all of this can be attributed to Cliff Kingsbury. I, I think it's pretty obvious what you're seeing right now is when this, this offense becomes more of a, you know, schoolyard Kyler Murray run shit, it's much more effective because it's not it's not restricting him or his teammates. I, I think Cliff Kingsbury is not putting the team in a, in a great position. So um, really interesting development there. I mean, we've been talking about this for a year, and we'll see what happens there going forward. But well, well also, I mean, like if you watch that game, uh, Kingsbury and Kyler, you know, they exchange some words. So I wonder how they're their relationship is and how that's going to affect them, you know, moving forward, um, you know, for the Cardinals in general, because when the head coach and the quarterback don't get along, that's your nucleus of your, of your team. So um, I, I just see a disaster coming for them. In terms you've got of, them both time long term. Games, if they keep losing games, I, I, I see a disaster coming. Somebody's leaving. And probably yeah. Be Yo, not for nothing, too. I want to mention this. The reason I'm not worried about a trap game is like, I know Dallas has won their last three games and Cooper Rush has looked all right, but I mean, come on, they didn't really beat anybody. I mean, I know they beat the Bengals, but the Bengals were struggling at the time and they still are a little bit. But I just like, I don't think they're looking ahead to Dallas like it's anything crazy. And especially if you get Dak back in that game with our defense, I mean, come on, they were saying today that he can't even grip a football. Yeah, he's he's looking like he's a little further behind than they were hoping. Um, and they're definitely not going to rush him. That's a different story for a different day. But um, the Cardinals, ironically, with this whole thing, is they, they've they had their inconsistencies much like every team in this division so far. And all four teams in the NFC West are tied in first place at 2-2. Two and two, So it's very much wide open. Um, and there's not been one fully impressive team in this division yet. They've all played uneven football. They all have certain strengths on their team, but they have a lot of weaknesses. And that includes the defending champion Rams who just lost. So um, we'll see how this develops over time. But guys, next up, all right, so Nick kind of referenced this already. I'm going to go to Paul's first here. The Jags, do you believe that they're still for real despite blowing this 14-zip lead against the Eagles? Um, and we heard what Nick Theory said. He's not buying in with this team. At the moment, Pauls, I want to know what you think. Uh, yeah, I do think they are. Um, but I think that they have the best coach in the division. They have the best quarterback in the division. Um, and to me, I just feel like I think that they're I think they're a good team, but they're young and they're learning. And things like this happen. When you go up 14-0, you start getting complacent, and you're like, oh, wow, look at us, you know, the number one team in the NFC East or in the NFC and you start getting like that and then you get full of yourself. I actually, I actually think in the long run um, for them, if they want to be a playoff team and win that division, this will be, this will be helpful to them the same way. I think it'll be helpful to the Eagles who have, you know, deep playoff run aspirations. Uh, but I do, I do think they're, I think they're a quality team. If that's what you mean by for real, like I don't think they're a threat for like a deep playoff run or anything like that, but I think that they're a team that will make noise. Yeah. See, and I'll, I'll clarify for you by my answer right here i actually think um you know th there's been there were some moments in this game where they show you they can be a, a pretty strong team who's just lacking experience learning how to win um because this is a game where you know you're up 14 zip against a team like this you gotta you gotta figure out how to to lock it down 
be okay. Maybe they're not necessarily a top 10 team on both sides of the ball, but they had a lot of potential. Um, and Doug Peterson obviously has done a fantastic job. So what this says to me right now is I still think I like the Jags the most in the AFC South, which has, has been a, a clusterfuck of shit. Um, but, but the Titans, the Titans look a lot better. The Titans look a lot better this week, and they look like, like they're they're kind of getting back into it a little bit. Um, they look like a team. They should be three and one, honestly. Um, so they've been an uneven team so far too. Yeah. So it looks like that could be the race here. It could be a two horse race uh, with the way the Colts have been looking, and we're going to get there in a little bit too. So. Um, any final thoughts though with the Jags guys? No, just they're up and coming, and that's really the the long and the short of it. They're gonna they're gonna lose more games like that this season, and they'll learn to win some of them. And I think that they'll be ready to go because they have you know they have a top head coach in the game. And I think, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, agree. I mean, I I think they're up and coming. I just don't think it's this year. I think you know they still have a lot of room to grow. They have a lot of young players. Um, they got two great backs. I just don't know, you know, what their what their identity is yet. I mean, they they've been passing the ball really well. They've been running it really well. But you know, I, I just I don't see the Jags being sustainable, man. I just I, I'm not buying into the hype yet. It's too early. I I just think they're too young and and a little immature. They're gonna have to learn how to win football games. So for me, um, to be two and two for them is like awesome. Like they're never this good in, in the early season. So. Um, I think Dougie P is, is he's definitely played a factor in that, and especially for Trevor Lawrence to grow. But I just don't see it this year. I think I think the I think the Titans uh, are probably the best team in the division um, right now. So I would take the Titans over the Jags. I want to say a quick thing real fast to uh, Nick's dad, uh, his comment um, about Kirk being shut down. This is the second time that the Eagles' defense shut down, legitimately took a wide receiver out of the game. Who has been torching defenses? Yeah, not to mention this is without Darius Slay for much of the game, and this is without yeah. Avante Maddox, who would be seeing Kirk most in the slot. Uh, I mean, that's just a testament to the Eagles' depth. Um, one key fantasy development, just pointing this out for the audience in case you didn't see, Travis Etienne actually outsnapped James Robinson in this game. Um, they're obviously going to be using both of these guys, but you can see when the when the game script tends to go a little negative. ETN is the preferred option here. I think that you learned that James Robinson is not game script independent. I think that's what you learned here. Uh, they prefer to use him in a game where it's close uh, and a more positive script. But they're definitely both going to play. That's what you're learning here is they're they're going to use both. Could be to buy low on both of these guys in fantasy. So I was gonna, I was going to ask you that, guys. I mean, do you like? Where do you guys see ETN and James Robinson in fantasy? Like, how would you rate them moving forward? I would buy both of them. I, I already thought ETN was a buy low. I think at this point, uh, you're not going to get James Robinson cheap unless the owner is panicking after one week. I would I would say if you have if you're an owner that had both of them and handcuffed with James Robinson in your draft, then you're you're in good shape. You could have two guys that might have standalone value. It kind of looks like. Uh, you know, the old Saints teams with when Mark Ingram was actually still good and Kamara wasn't hurt. You know, that's kind of what it looks like. But, Paul, what's your thoughts? 
Go ahead. Uh, I don't really know how to judge him, to be honest. Because, like, Nick, as you and I were mentioning earlier, like, it was so hard to judge ETN because there's no preseason anymore. Yeah. So like I don't like is there a plan for ETN to eventually take over? I, I don't I don't know. I mean it just seems that ETN's the pass catching back out of the backfield and James Robinson is your runner. That's just really what I see from it. I don't like I'm not I'm not really strong. I'm not I don't have a strong opinion either way. So there you have it. The Jags running back fantasy situation. Keep an eye on it. But guys, we're going to change it up. All right? We're moving on to the next Series of teams here. <coughs> First up, man, the Buccaneers and Chiefs. Wow, I mean that was an that was a crazy game. You saw <laughs> came in there and puts a forty burger on that Bucks defense um, on Sunday Night Football, but then they turn it over at the end late. It gets a little interesting. Brady gets back into it. Looks like he was kind of getting into a groove a little bit. So. We're going to make this about the Bucs right now, okay? Because there's a lot going on with this team, all right? First things, Tom Brady's outside life. Uh, there's been some more divorce rumors. We're not going to go into that, but there was more today, and it's getting a little ugly. Um, hopefully, you know, all is well there, but there's a lot going on. Um, the defense struggled for the first time all year, which has been carrying them, and the offense couldn't run the football and they had to throw the football another 50-plus times. And, I mean, they did actually seem to to gain some momentum eventually. But we'll, we'll get there. I want to ask you guys, though, about the Buccaneers specifically with everything going on with their team, Tom Brady. There's no more Bruce Arians, which people seem to forget. Are you concerned about this team? And you can say even if it's a slight concern, you're allowed to say, you know, if it's a slight concern, are you concerned at all about Brady and the Bucs? right now um not really to be honest i think look i think the defense is really that good but i also think the chief i also believe the chief's offense is just as good um so i just like to me it's patrick mahomes is patrick mahomes he will do that to defenses so you can't really look too much into that uh honestly their offense will get going i mean they started out slow in 2021 when they won the super bowl sometimes things just happen and you know like i said uh you know a week or two before tom brady has a lot of shit going on in his personal life you know so he, he'll get through it i mean there's nothing he hasn't gotten through before but they'll turn it around it's only september it was the month of september and you know they'll 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 figure it out i'm not i'm not worried about it at all to be honest like the only thing I would say is they're the only thing where I would maybe give like a hint of concern is they don't seem to be scoring at will. Aries, this is your guy, man. What's going on with Brady? Not in the mobility. I, I think he's fine. I think he's. I think he played really well. I mean, um, I just think the defense just got completely shattered. I think the Chiefs just completely dominated in all fronts of the of the offensive side of the ball. Um, they ran for 188 yards. You're not going to win many games when your opponent's running for 188 yards and controlling the clock at 39 minutes versus 21. It's just it's just not sustainable to win football games like that. So uh, I think for me to be concerned about the Bucks would be like my biggest concern would be um, their inability to run the football. Um, I think you got to be able to run mm -hmm. the ball, especially when you have uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, you start to see Rashad White get a lot of burn. Um, in this game uh, in terms of pass catching back because 
that's his specialty, right? And I, I know Leonard Fournette can do it, but I if, if it's if it gives Leonard a, a breather, then you know they're gonna find every way to to do so uh, to take a load off of him, Pauls. And um, but no, I, I just think I, I just honestly think you know their inability to run the football is really concerning to me because you got to be able to control some clock, you know, because if your defense is out there for 39 minutes, you're going to get shredded. And the defense just couldn't get off the ball, third downs. Pick a Chiefs were like 12 of 17. I mean, look, you're not going to win football games if you can't get off a third down. So I think that was the name of the game. Um, and I, I don't think – I don't. I think the Bucks' offense played pretty, pretty um, encouraging, I'll say that, you know, with Godwin and Evans. Like, you could see the difference. Like, if they had them boys against Green Bay, I, it would be a different ball game. So – um, but yeah, I mean, I just think, I just think it was just one of those nights that they couldn't stop a nosebleed and it happens. They got, they got smoked. I'm happy you mentioned the part about the run game. Um, that's the first takeaway for me. Cause I mentioned it last week when we were picking this game, um, and just talking about the Packers game is this, this team, not only can they not establish the run, they don't even want to try to establish the run. And you're asking a 45-year-old quarterback who hadn't started off as well as he normally does to throw the ball 50 times a game. And they did actually start to come on in this game. You saw things start to click a little bit. So maybe not necessarily worried about Brady, but I think defense needs to to hit the pause button here and reevaluate like how, how you're going out to go and, and play the game because – this is not a sustainable recipe for a team that has playoff aspirations. And it definitely, like, I got to be honest, I think that it definitely contributed in this game because the Chiefs are obviously scoring points. You're leaving your defense out there more on the field. Um, I mean, really, the Bucks' offense didn't get it together till later in the game. I actually think the best that they looked was when Rashad White was on the field. I, I got to be honest with you. I think the offense was you know, firing full cylinders when he was on the field. So, and I, I also think that Leonard Fournette is just his normal inefficient self. I think you can only get away with it for so long. Like he gets a lot of touches. It kind of masks the fact that he's not, he's just never been an efficient back. Yeah. But in this system, it's get it gets masked because he does his part and then Brady can pick off of, you know, what he does. So in this game, you run the ball six times as a team and you throw it 52 times. It's a recipe for disaster. And, and I mean, I'll, I'll admit this too, even though I picked the Chiefs, I, you couldn't have told me they were going to put up a 40-burger in Tampa Bay. Um, so they're going to get back to the drawing board. I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to hit the panic button on this defense. I think they're really good. Um, I think the Chiefs, no, have had a, the Chiefs had a very good game plan and they, they look awesome. You know, so maybe they'll face off again eventually. That would be pretty cool, but we shall see, guys. So, no, and, 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 uh, and just one last point. Right. I, you know, I, I think the Bucks are missing that one explosive player on their team. Like, I know Mike Evans is, you know, he could, he can go deep and all that stuff. You know, he can, you know, but like, I don't think Godwin has that burst anymore. With all those injuries that caught up to him, like he's a guy that's going to move the chains, right? I think they need a guy who has burst, who can, who could take a sixty-yard or we could take a slant route to the house. Um, I think they're missing that because they keep trying to methodically going down the field, and it's a lot harder to score points that way than than getting big plays. So I think that's what they're missing. 
Yeah, I mean, in this game, they were a little bit more vertical, but they also, you could see, they, they, they like, like Tom Brady got into his rhythm when they started going into short passing offense. And again, that, that, that's just coming back to the fact that they can't run the football. That, that's what it is. They're taking whatever yards they could get and hope that it opens things up. Um, it's just not a recipe for them. We'll see what they do. But I mean, in particular, they play the Falcons this Sunday. They're at home again. Uh, theories, you'll be there. I'll be there, man. I can't theories wait. I'm excited there. about that. Yeah, hell yeah, man. So hell yeah, I, I'm. I would think that you know Brady's going to hear you in the stands, and yeah, the Bucks will cover. You know, the Bucks, the Bucks are hopefully covering this, this game. Be a little convincing. Yeah, I, I'm excited about the game, man. I'm fucking pumped, bro. Like, just to go to the stadium, just see the fucking, you know, fire the cannons and all that shit. Like, that's exciting stuff, man. Like, you don't see that every day. So, I'm excited, dude. Get to see my guy out there in Tampa. So, there you no have doubt. it. Look, look for Nick Theories in the stands at Raymond James, baby. All I'm right. Here, Raymond Priscilla. So, oh, I wanted to bring up a point, man. And Try I thought it. about this, like, I thought about this actually right after the Bucks game. And... I just find it interesting how a guy like Julio Jones, who was a lot to get 80 yards a game, only gets one catch for seven yards. Is that like what what's his ceiling anymore? Because like, how does a guy drop off that much? Like, I, I just I, I'm very confused by that. Did Randy Moss really change the game of giving these uh, veteran wide receivers a lot more chances than they than they deserve? Um, because when Randy Moss, like he was deemed like done in 07, and then he got traded to New England and he revamped his, his career from that moment. So I wonder if Randy Moss really changed the game of football in terms of veteran wide receivers getting more chances in the NFL today. I got the answer for you. Um, I'm I think <laughs> that the torn PCL is too much for him right now and he shouldn't even be playing. I think that they should be resting him and pulling a Sammy Watkins, like I was saying, just get him ready for the playoffs uh, when you'll need him or want him most. Because right now, playing through a torn PCL is not doing anything for you. It's just not. And this guy, like, it's he can't stay healthy, bro. He just can't stay healthy anymore, and it's sad. So, great career made to an end. Um, but now, going to the other side here. So. This is not necessarily about the Chiefs, but this is now who the Chiefs are playing this week. The Chiefs play on Monday Night Football. All right. They got the Raiders fresh off their first win of the season. Okay. So this is actually more about the Raiders, this segment. And the Raiders, it was interesting, guys. We, we look at their passing game. They should be a phenomenal passing team, right? But no, in this game... They, they beat the Broncos because of their run game. Josh Jacobs went off. I mean, they committed to Josh Jacobs early, often, and then throughout the whole game. So Josh Jacobs' stat line, 28 for 144 and two tutties. So, and that's not even counting what he did in the passing game. But the question here is, is this the recipe for the Raiders going forward? And also, are they back? Are you willing to say that they're back? Um, um, it's a two-part question here. I, I, I was high on the Raiders this year, but I'm not going to say they're back after beating Broncos. The Broncos stink, cuz. <laughs> they stink, bro. They got the worst coach in the league. Uh, they just don't know how to use their weapons. And I'm not confident in them moving forward at all. 
Uh, but the Raiders, you know, I mean, look, you got you got to gel some wins and build and build some camaraderie in that locker room. You know, put together some wins, build some uh, confidence. They need that as a as a, uh, a new group um, with Devontae Adams and his newcomers. So uh, they need you know any win they can get. Uh, you know, after starting zero and three. So I'm not going to say they're back yet, but I mean, I did like what I saw. I mean, to to, to beat a divisional opponent by nine points. I mean, that's that's pretty good. So. Uh, but, you know, they got a tough game here against the Chiefs. And uh, the way the Chiefs look, it's going to be hard to beat them in, in uh, Arrowhead. So, um, yeah, the Raiders were lucky, you know, to, to play the Broncos last week because they could have started 0-5. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. no, I mean, there's nothing for them to be back from, to be honest. Like, they just <laughs> – they're just they're – they're not a good team. They have good players. They're just mm. not a good team yet. I don't know if they will be. Uh, maybe this is the win that kind of propels them. If they beat the Chiefs, then you know it's a whole new, whole new season. If they could pull that off, um, I doubt that they do, to be honest. But I'm just, I'm not sold on them. I mean, it took they beat the Broncos by nine, and it took every ounce of Josh Jacobs to do it. It literally did. I mean, how many times is he going to get the ball? How many times is he going to run 28 times for 100 and 150 yards? And you, and you know, it's. When Josh Jacobs runs like that, I feel like you should win by more than nine. Because it wasn't by any stretch. Like, it wasn't one of those dominant performances where they just wiped the floor with them. And remember, I mean, it was one of those games where it was it was a two-point game right there at the end. And I think where the Raiders deserve credit, besides doing something to make an adjustment here, was they stayed committed to it at the very end there. And the Broncos had no answer this is this is a good defense the broncos had no answer to the run game the entire time um i actually was surprised by this game plan but it worked it worked um because the broncos i mean the way it was looking there i thought they were going to win this game right there at the end they were down by two momentum was swinging uh russell wilson looked a lot better in this game it actually wasn't even his fault in this game that's the the funny part so the team is extremely uneven um that team but the Raiders I I don't think they're back I I actually think that they're worse than I thought they would be this year because I said they'd be a fringe playoff team um I'm, I'm just I'm worried about Derek Carr guys another pretty putrid game from him um they can't like they can't seem to figure it out with Derek Carr right now his yards per attempt in this game his average was 5.5. Like this, this passing offense is just, it's shit. It's shit right now. And Derek Carr is not playing well. And, and that's the one thing I thought, hey, this is one thing you could count on carrying over, especially with Josh McDaniels coming in. And and he's just not playing well. He's he's not playing well. And this is supposed to be the strength of the football team. So it takes I, time I'm, to learn the system, though, man. And that's the thing. Like maybe it's I actually I think that that is the storyline for both of the teams in that game, is they look like they're adjusting to a new scheme. I think Derek Carr's learning curve with Josh McDaniels has been a little bit steeper. Um, Russell Wilson, though, I'm not gonna make this about the Broncos, but Russell Wilson looked a lot more like himself for most of this game. Yes, there were some drives where it's like, oh, here we go again. They still don't run the football enough. You lose Javante Williams. Um, and then you you just lost Randy Gregory, so there's a lot going on there. We're about to touch on that in a second. So, in terms of this game, though, guys, 
Monday Night Football, I I have no doubt that Chiefs are going to win this game, personally. Um, I hope that it's close, but I just I can't see it right now. There's two teams going in opposite directions. Andy Reid should run circles around Josh McDaniels. And I mean run circles. Like, the play that he ran where Mahomes acted like he was talking to Travis Kelsey and the fullback ran on their center, I mean, that's just genius play calling. Yeah, I mean, the, the way the Chiefs look right now, Andy Reid making adjustments after that loss against the Colts. Uh, you see what Gavar says. I just put it up on the screen. Chiefs are going to smoke the Raiders. Uh, David Pasillo, same thing. Match. Raiders are not beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead. They're playing really well. So, yeah, I think that we see the sentiment here. But we'll see. I mean, if the Raiders pull this off, could be a different conversation next week. I'll be rooting for them. Yeah. So, there you have it with the Raiders. But now going back, okay, going back to the Broncos, the Broncos faced the Colts on Thursday Night Football, and there's two storylines here. Injuries on both sides of the ball. You got the Colts, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, it looks like it's at least a medium ankle sprain. They're saying it's a low ankle sprain, but there's some mixed signals whether he's playing. Um, Shaq Leonard broke his nose. And then on the flip side, Broncos just lost Devontae Williams probably for more than a year. Torn ACL, torn LCL. And then Randy Gregory on IR with a knee injury. He had arthroscopic surgery. He's been playing well. And then Russell Wilson himself. He looks to have banged up his shoulder. He says he's going to play. But it's something to monitor here because the Colts defense can, can be good from time to time. So... How are we feeling about this game and which of the injuries that I just mentioned are more impactful to the team in this game? Um, <clears throat> I like the Colts on Thursday night. I think they have the better head coach. Um, JT is is a worry. I think that's the biggest one. Honestly, like I'm trying to make this sound not as crazy, but Javante Williams to me doesn't even seem like a big loss because they weren't using the dude correctly anyway. So they're like to me, it's like a moot point. It's like, all right, like he's a great player, but he wasn't being used correctly to begin with. So what did you actually lose? I mean, other than Melvin Gordon, who fumbles 35 times a game. But I mean, I just like Randy Gregory, like, okay, yeah, I get it because he can get pressure. But to lose J JT for the Colts, like that's massive because the drop off from JT to Naheem Hines is substantially bigger than the drop off of Javante to Melvin Gordon. Theories. I agree, man. Well, I agree to the Javante point. Uh, but I, I like the Broncos in this game. And look, when you got two shit teams playing on, on a short week, um, I'm going to take the home team anyway. I'm going to take the home team all day long. Um, I, I, I have nothing to prove that, you know, the Broncos are the better team. But I like their situation just being at home. I mean, you know, the Colts, uh, I think, I believe they came off the loss, right, um, this past weekend against um, uh, the Titans, which was a tough one because they did come back from that. But I, I just, I like the home team here. Uh, I think Russell Wilson played pretty well last week. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think in terms of fantasy, I think it's it's good for, for – uh, for owners who had Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon and you didn't know who to play and 
But I, th I think now is the time where you fire up uh, Melvin Gordon. He's going to be the guy moving forward. Um, I, I know, you know, all this talk about Mike Boone and all this other shit. I, I'm not buying it. Um, because when Javante Williams was there, Melvin Gordon was getting a lot of the carries and a lot of the timeshare. So uh, if, if, if you're um, a Melvin Gordon owner out there, fire him up by any means. He's the guy. Um, so don't worry about it. But pick up Boone just for insurance if, if, if uh, Gordon, you know, loses his job to fumbling or, or getting hurt. So, but yeah, no, overall in this game, um, I like the Broncos just, just for the simple fact they're home. Yeah, guess what, theories? The I don't know if you guys saw this, but Lat Boy, Latavius yeah, Murray, Lapisillo, yeah. So we're bringing back Lapisillo. He's now a Bronco. All right, Latavius Murray is a Bronco. Um, I think that kind of squashed the whole Mike Boone angle that, that I've been seeing around in uh, fantasy circles. People are like, "Oh, you should scoop him up. He's gonna get some playing time." Nah, I think I'll pass. I, I think Melvin Gordon is gonna be pretty much as close to a full-time back as possible. And actually, I think Latavius Murray is going to be the one spelling him. Maybe Mike Boone gets like five, you know, five touches a game as a passing down back. I don't know, but I think it would serve them well to actually try to run the football. That would be a good start because they can't do it. They haven't even tried this year. Um, so actually, in terms of the game, I think, and, and in the long term too, I think the injury to Jonathan Taylor is much more impactful because you take him off the field, you really don't have to respect anything about the Colts' offense right now. They're just dead. Like, you take him off the field, you don't got to worry about the run game. You're going to be able to pressure Matt Ryan. The offensive line's not playing well. Michael Pittman's going to get doubled up, and he's, he's already having a little bit of struggles, probably more due to the struggles of the passing offense, not so much himself. But yeah. – um, you take away Jonathan Taylor, this this team's a wash. I think that the Colts are in in a spiral, um, and they're very lucky that they won a game. They're very lucky that the Chiefs allowed them to win that game. That that's how I look at it. And I don't even. I mean, we all had them winning the division. I don't think the Colts stand a chance at the moment. No, I think it's no. a two horse race. Um, but back to the Broncos and and the game. I like the Broncos as well. And look, two uneven teams so far. Um, go figure. The Broncos' defense, which has been phenomenal, was the issue in this game. The offense under Russell Wilson finally looked to get it together a little bit. And we saw some encouragement. We finally saw a little bit of the Russ of old. He's running around a little bit. He's moving around uh, play action and throwing on the run. That is when he's at his best. And it looked like he was a little bit more comfortable. And it looked like his coach tried to put him in a better position in this game. So I'm not saying I'm back in on Hackett, but this is an encouragement in the first month of the season with a new team, new system, in which Al Rodgers also struggled in initially. You needed to see this. Like, if, if it didn't happen this game, I would be sounding the panic alarm, okay? I don't have it with me, <laughs> but if they did not, if Russell Wilson didn't ball out in that game, I would have sounded it for everybody. So that was very encouraging. You have to do that against a bad pass defense. Um, and I expect actually that to carry over in this game. It's going to be down to Russell Wilson, I think. We shall see. So, uh, so King Showtime, he said Boone or Murray? Um, I think long term, I would say Murray. But I think for this week, I, it would be Boone. 
agreed on on, on that. Alice, you too? Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, it's I, he's 100 years old. <laughs> yeah, he produces, yo. He Last does. He looked all right this weekend. I know. I know. I know. It's just it's hard. He's fine in a pinch. Uh, I see Godfarb says he likes the Broncos. And I see that David also says he wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos lost. We shall see, guys. But, the battle of Peyton's old teams, bro. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. Second I mean, best of all time. You would hope, in terms of the Broncos, you hope that it goes uphill from here like it did with Peyton's offense. That that was insane, that offense he had with the Broncos. Yeah, um, But, moving on, okay? So, we're going to a whole different slate here. All right? Whole different slate of games. First up, Dolphins. A field goal favorite on the road. No Tua. Teddy Midswater is starting this game at the Jets, who look a little bit interesting after all, okay? So, first thing I think that we would we would be crazy not to talk about this. The hot-button topic in the NFL this week, Tua Tagovailoa and his injury and whether or not he should have been allowed to play. So let's start right there, guys. <clears throat> what do you think about this situation with with Tua? Do you think that was cleared, or do you think he might have played through a concussion? Like, let's talk about the severity of this situation here, and who to blame. Um, I don't think there's anybody to blame. Uh, he went through the protocol. They said he was fine. I mean, not for nothing, but they were laughing last year at Tom Brady when he mixed up the downs and was saying, like, fourth down or third down. The only difference was is that Tua got hit, and he got and he smacked his head off of the ground. So I think it's ridiculous that they're ridiculing the organization. If you want to go and fire the, the, the concussion doctor, like, okay, if he made a lapse in judgment or he did it incorrectly, that's fine. Like, I get that. But at the end of the day, like, these players play through injuries. And I know that there's all the talk about CTE and it's a brain injury and things like that. But players have played. Terrell Owens signed a waiver to play on a bad foot like five weeks after he broke his ankle in half. So players do play through that. And I know the whole sentiment of like protect players from themselves. I do get all that. But what they're making out, what they're making the Dolphins organization out to be and all these doctors, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous what they're doing. With all the suing going on about CTE and players and healthcare, there is no way in the world the Dolphins organization would ever try and cross that line. And I stand and I I will I will go to my grave believing that. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Theories. I feel the same way. I don't I, I don't think anybody was trying to harm anybody just, just to win a football game. I think they went through the protocols. I just think... You know, some maybe it could have been, you know, a miscommunication kind of thing. Uh, but I'm not going to blame the head coach or give Mike McDaniel shit for for the two a thing. I mean, 
The only thing I got to say is, like, you got to question it a little bit because when he got hit two weeks ago, he was wobbling off that field, and he fell to the ground. So, like, you got to make sure that, like, all right, this dude, he, he was seeing stars at some point. Come on. I mean, you're not you're not wobbling off the field if you if you didn't see stars, bro. Like, that's that's for sure. That, like, that's a grown man hitting the deck. <laughs> like, that's that, Like, come on, bro. Like That's he, debatable. He was seeing stars when he fell. Yeah. Well, I had a well, I had a kidney stone. Well, I'll tell you what, I had a kidney stone, and I stood up off of a couch and fell to my knees and cried like like I was a baby. Yeah, so back spasms and back stone, pain, that, back spasms and back pain up. can bring you to your knees. Incredible pause, but they can. So I, now I know oh. he grabbed his head and he looked a little off, but back spasms and back pain can do that because they can knock the wind out of you. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I had a back injury, and I, I never acted like that. My fault. I mean, my fault. Yeah, you oh, know, man, I, I got to say. What the fuck we doing here, man? Because we got a podcast. You know, you're talking crazy. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, um I, I got to say, though, guys, I, I do question the way this was handled because it was a short week, and I just don't see how. Well, first, let's start with the previous game. Tua comes back and plays in in the in the first game um, against the Bills, and he comes back in the game. I, I just don't even see how he was cleared to come back in that game. But then, after the fact, it's a short week, and you're telling me he cleared the protocol in three days. I think, I mean, honestly, you already saw that whatever neurologist was involved got fired, and I I gotta I gotta question whoever cleared him. I don't think it's Mike McDaniel's fault. I genuinely like he he cried in his press conference and looked completely genuine. Um, I think that he went by, hey, he's the head coach. They told him, okay, he's cleared to play. All right, I'm gonna play my guy. He was cleared, but whoever did clear him, I, I got a question. Um, I I mean, I certainly if if it were my kid or if I were coaching the team, I I would have had pause about this. I would have definitely had an issue with throwing him back in there three days later. Um, now, if it was a full week, I would have felt a little bit better about this situation, but it looks it looks pretty dicey, I'm not going to lie. It looks it looks pretty <laughs> dicey. Um, and Mike. sometimes you just you got to stop these guys from themselves. Like, if he gets the clearance, you know he's going to play the game because that's what a player does. The player already wants to prove to the world he can play and that he's a warrior. And that he deserves to be undefeated. He's not going to sit unless you force him to sit. And and they seem to think that Teddy Bridgewater is a good backup. So I would have done it on a short week, personally. That's all I'm going to say, though. I think Bridgewater is a good backup. You, one thing I do want to mention is I feel like they had to play him because he comes back in the second half of that game. So if he comes back in the second half of that game and then you sit him Thursday because of concussion protocol. How do you justify bringing him in in the second half of that game? That's true, Mike. I mean, I mean, you got a good point there, and I just think it goes back to the mismanagement in that game. Even I, I don't think he should have been back in that game. He he clearly couldn't even stand up right. He didn't know where he was, um, and you saw like the reaction when he did get hit in the Bengal game. His body's reaction. I mean, that was that was like a, a that was terrifying scary. sight to see, and that that's a. A reaction from the brain when you have a head injury right there it triggered something else going on in his body and his hands were all cringed up and he just looked i mean it, it could have been way more serious than what it turned out to be 
thank God. But I, I, I mean, the thing is with concussions is sometimes, I'll say this, I, I don't think they always hit right away. Um, they do, but then they can go away for a little bit, but then they come back full force because that's what post-concussion syndrome does. You're supposed to, you know, see how it looks when, after you rest the brain for a little bit. Um, so it's very possible it could have gotten worse, you know, the very next day, but we would never know because they, they certainly went through some protocol and they deemed that he was okay to play. And here's the thing also too, just to touch on it real fast. The players in this situation are kind of in a lose-lose either way. Because when Carson Wentz went down against the Titans and had the concussion and they were rumoring that he was throwing up and he was disoriented, all Philadelphia's fan base was saying, oh, if that was Brett Favre or that was Brady or that was Manning, that was Montana, there was no way they were keeping him out of that game. But then Tua falls on the ground and watches his hands start going crazy and everybody's saying, now you got to protect the players. So it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. What happened? That was a big story. What? With Carson Wentz? Yeah, everybody was saying that he should have went back in that game. He should have played. Apparently, Howie Roseman was, too, from the all-season comments. With a concussion? When he had a concussion. Oh, well, he can't play if he has a concussion. So what's No, the, what's I know that. What I'm saying is that people were saying that he should have he faked it and found a way to play. But who knows? Yeah, and I see uh, I put up James's comment. James says he should have never came back into the first game. Once you get a few concussions, it's all downhill. Yeah. Um, Godfarb actually asked a good question. How long is Tua going to be out? And and honestly, Godfarb, the way that it seems is probably an extended period of time because I, I think after that brain reaction that he had and and just the severity of the situation, I think they're going to be very careful here. I think they're going to hope that they can go to New York and win this game and then they would probably sit him the following week too if they if they win this game. I, I think that they would probably wait at least a couple weeks, because um, this is clearly a severe concussion. It went it went from a minor one to a severe one pretty quickly. Wouldn't you guys agree with with my take on that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. It, I mean, the next the next four games. If if he had to go, you know, sit out for a couple of games. This is the next four games for the Dolphins. Here, they're in New York against the Jets. They play the Vikings at home. Uh, they play Pittsburgh at home, and they're in Detroit on uh, the day before Halloween. So, um, you know, I I can see him sitting out maybe one or two games, but I think he'll be back uh, against Pittsburgh uh, in Week Seven. And this is a great comment by Keith. Keith saying everyone heals differently may take months, and that is certainly possible. I mean, you look up even, you know, for example, I'll throw out one from hockey. Chris Pronger, who had a number of concussions, um, the last one that he had, it, it ended his career, actually, because he just couldn't get past the headaches and the blurred vision and everything. And it really it really all does depend on the person. It, it, can, it can be that serious for Tua. And if he goes out there and gets hit again after already suffering two in the same week, it could be something that puts his career into trouble, realistically. And I don't want to I don't want to go that far. But if you had three concussions in three weeks, for example, that that certainly isn't going to look good for you. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to turn to crazy. Oh, my God. And yeah, this is a great point by David right here. Head injury is no joke. Player needs to be sat down. Let the experts decide. 
It's a great point. But guys, now back to the actual game. So I'm going to go to the flip side first. And the flip side being the New York Jets. Who, they go out and they win a game in Pittsburgh. It's Zach Wilson's first game back. And overwhelmingly throughout the game, I actually think they look pretty decent. Like they look like a team who maybe goes back to the narrative of surprise team that people have been talking about in preseason. Because Zach Wilson, I think, was a little bit better than I thought he would be in this first game. And then the other the other thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you guys your opinion in a sec. The other thing was this, is I, I said this to you guys on Thursday, I think this could have been Brees Hall's coming out party. And they actually committed to him like an RB1. And he responded. He looked great in this game. He, he looks like he's on the upswing, not just in real life, but in fantasy. So maybe they have something here. Guys, are the Jets possibly back to being that surprise type of team? A team that is competitive, maybe wins six, seven games. Yeah, I think they could be competitive. I mean, I don't think much more than that, though, to be honest. Like, I just, I don't see it. And now I know it was Zach Wilson's first game back, but Pittsburgh is some shit. <laughs> and it's like every ounce of your squad to beat them. So, Pittsburgh really is some right shit that. is crazy. <laughs> they really are. It's the truth. But, I, you know, I'm not, like, overly high on them or anything like that with the Jets. So, they're just kind of one of those mid-level teams that they could they could surprise you and win a few. Uh, I think you still – you just want to see the progression from Zach Wilson. I think that's the main focus of that team. There I agree, though. Pittsburgh is some shit because they have yeah. a shit-ass quarterback in Trubisky. I told you guys in the preseason, this guy stinks. And this guy really yes. stinks, bro. He stinks. Blows, okay? Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to him. Don't worry. Kenny Pickett, he played a little bit better than him, but I'm not really sold on him, to be honest with you, 100%. Najee Harris looks like shit. Um, no, this is a good <laughs> so let me get Let me get back into the game here. I, I, yeah. The Dolphins the Jets. I like the Dolphins here. I think, uh, I, think Bridgewater, I think Bridgewater is a good backup. He's got weapons around. He's got Waddle. He's got Hill. He's got Kostecki. Um, I think Moster is starting to get the, you know, you know, uh, he's starting to get the work in, in, in the backfield. Um, you know, he splits with Chase Edmonds, but he seems to be the guy in fantasy. Um, so I, I just, I don't buy into the Jets. I think the Jets are still uh, in a process of kind of in that rebuild, um, you know, trying to figure out ways to win games. I think they're young. I think they're an upcoming team. They do have talent, but I just think the Dolphins are way more talented, um, regardless of Tua being in or out of this game. Um, I like the Dolphins here. Yeah, and you know what? I, I I don't know what to think of the Jets other than this is a game they would normally lose. So I have to give them credit. They, they go out on the road. They follow up. Um, you know, the previous week where the Bengals slapped them around, but um, – they, they respond on the road going into Pittsburgh. That's a tough environment to play no matter what. I mean, and the Steelers just generally come out to play there. I mean, uh, that's a that's just a game I expected them to lose. I'll just put it to you that way, especially with Zach Wilson just coming back. And and he wasn't perfect in this game by any means. Like, his stats were, were not good. But there, there were some moments in this game where you could see, all right, there's a little something here. Um, but overall, I, I think – I like the Dolphins in this game. I, I am going to say this has like surprise upset potential, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there yet. Cause I don't, I don't, I want to, I want to think about it a little bit more here. 
but the Dolphins should win this game. They, they really are a strong unit, and Teddy Bridgewater is a good backup to have. Um, and in terms of fantasy, going back to that for a second, I mean, I am one of the people, I'll, I'll just admit it here, I'm one of the guys that was super high on Brees Hall to the point where I probably took him around early in most drafts. But this is why, right here. Because if he gets that RB1 usage, this guy could be a top 10 back at fantasy, especially with the struggles at the position so far, which continued into this week. So Not my guy, I, Austin. I told you about Austin. Well, bro. they need to commit him, to him. They needed mm-hmm. to get him going a little bit. Yeah, let's so, talk about it, bro. Yeah, yeah, I'm here to pod, bro. Two tuggies. What the fuck are we talking about? 30-something fucking fantasy points? I'm tired of telling you guys, bro. So, the Texans state. The thing is, though, we called them out. He was and- play, bro. He ain't shit either. Who? We- CMC. I had nothing to do with CMC. You mentioned CMC, not year, me. Bro. Fuck. I'm talking about being as, as a fucker of, of like a top back, yo. Eckler, Eckler showed it, bro. Well, we called out the Chargers for not getting him involved more. And they actually responded in this time. Yeah, they responded and they got Eckler involved, and he got going because he is a good player. You have to find a way to get him going. So that's what they did. They did their job. He's a beast. He was such a buy low, bro. I mean, think about it. Herbert's hurt. He was such a buy low, and then now his price just went right back to where it was as the season started, and then that's a shame. I need him to do good because I'm a Herbert and a Mike Williams owner, and all he'll do is open up that passing game. That's true. That's a good point, too. Well, well, I need him to pop. I need him a lot more on the run because of, of that injury, too, so that kind of scares yeah. me. And also well, Keenan Allen being out, that doesn't really help uh, Herbert's case, but we'll see. The biggest issue was – they just did not use him enough in the opening month of the season. They finally do, and he got going. And that that's what they needed, especially with Herbert. You don't want to have him throwing the football too much right now. Um, and so there you go. That's what happened. But let's move on, guys. We only got a couple more on the slate for tonight. We'll make a good time here, remote. All right? It's about tonight. You know? Crazy. So the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, two straight wins. They face the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. The Ravens favored by a field goal at home. Um, Two different stories here. Bengals, two straight wins. Ravens collapse again. Regular shit. Excusably. But let's start with the Bengals, though. Are the Bengals back? Uh, Yeah, to a degree. They still have some stuff to figure out, but they're they're a good team. And that offense, when that offense clicks – Good luck trying to stop them. But they're figuring things out little by little. It was like preseason for them the month of September. Because Joe with Joe Burrow missing training camp, not playing anything in the preseason, they're finding their footing. I'm not worried about them at all. I'm the same way. I mean, I mean, are they back? No. Uh, I wouldn't say they're fully back, but they're starting to build momentum here. Um, like, look, man, it's week four. I mean, if we're saying they're back, are they are they back from the Super Bowl team? No. Absolutely not. It's week four here. Let's pump the brakes. Um, they're two and two after an 0 and two start. So salute to them for coming back, you know, based on that, because you're in a tough AFC. So, you know, their backs are against the wall this early in the season. It could it could help them, you know, later down the road. Um, so but I mean, in terms of them being back, I would say no, but I'm encouraged by what I saw. 
Um, and you're starting to see, you know, a lot of defenses play them differently this year. Um, you know, Jamar Chase, he hasn't really gotten it going, uh, you know, like he did last year. It seems like they shifted the coverage towards him. That's why you're seeing T. Higgins go bananas this year. T. Higgins is already a stud. So if you put him one-on-one, he's going to burn your corner back, your second corner, your first corner. It didn't even matter. Xavier Howard was on him, and he still burned his ass. Um, but I know, I know Howard was a little bit banged up, but – Higgins is him, bro. Higgins is for real. They got a they got a great wide receiving core. Um, if you know if they can get Mixon involved and he can wake up a little bit, this team could be really scary. Um, you know down the you know down the road as they were last year. But you know also their defense. You know if they can continue to play pretty decent. Um, you know they're gonna be okay. But the Ravens coming off. You know. Go so here. You know. Hold hold the thought on the Ravens because we'll get to them in a second. Um, Paul, do you have anything else to add with the Bengals right now? Um, what, like in terms of Joe Mixon? I mean, I, I'll ask you guys this because we did just mention the name. Are you worried about Joe Mixon at all? Because he's been pretty yes. inefficient. He does not look like himself at the moment. Yeah, it's, he doesn't look like himself because that offensive line is atrocious. And until that offensive line gets any gel or any continuity, they will not. he will not run the ball effectively. It just it just won't happen. Yeah, and I, I actually agree with you there. I think it's an offensive line issue, so I'm worried more about them. Um, I also I, I want to liken this Bengals situation to what the Chiefs kind of went through last year, where teams figured out how to play them vertically and forced them to beat you differently. And I think they're going through it right now. So just by by virtue of their record, they're tied in first at two and two. Um, so they're back technically. But I agree with Nick. I don't think that they're the team that they were last year at the moment. But they, they're they they're actually, you know, they're back. It's a three-way tie in first place. That brings me to the other side here, the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. And I'll, I'll start the conversation here. Um, they should be 4-0. To lose the two games that they lost, the way that they lost them, are crippling. And they're unacceptable. So the first question, because you already know about the whole collapse versus the Dolphins, it's one of the worst fourth quarters that you'll ever see. Uh, it was it was historical the way they took that game away. But this one right here, this one seemed to come down to coaching. John Harbaugh, guys, in case you missed it, and this is for the audience too, the Ravens had the ball, they were in the red zone. And it, they got to fourth down. John Harbaugh, instead of taking the field goal and the lead, decides to go for it on fourth down. Gives the Bills the ball. What happens? The Bills go all the way down the field. They take a knee once they get close to the goal line. And they run the clock out and kick a game-winning field goal. So, do you agree with the logic behind John Harbaugh's decision there, which... The logic would be this, if there was any. The logic would be, you already expect the Bills to score. You know, they're going to get yeah. the ball back and score. Granted, <laughs> it really wasn't even, a, it wasn't a high-scoring game at that point. So, um, But do you agree with what John Harbaugh did there, going forward on fourth down instead of taking the field goal in the lead? No, you take the points. You did that. You you saw this movie last year. This is what's going on with head coaches and this analytics bullshit. It doesn't make any sense. You just cost your team a win. Well, may, potentially, 
for going for it. Like, oh, they said, oh, well, DuVernay was open. Lamar just missed him. I don't care. Now you have Marcus Peters screaming at Harbaugh. You have Lamar walking off the field, shaking his head. The Ravens are going down this week against the Bengals too, because that's going to carry over. Because I'm I'm worried that the t- that the teammates and the players are going to start looking at him sideways, doing this stuff that's costing them to win games. You're telling me everybody, every single analyst, them in, the Ravens included, talking about oh the Ravens defense, the Ravens defense is this. They got the top corner duo. They can rush the quarterback. They could do all this, and you don't trust your defense. Come on, man. Miami stopped Josh Allen. They made him do a, a dumb move at the end of the game. So I don't under I just don't understand it. They, they, these and, coaches need to stop with this analytics stuff. And Pauls, to your point that you just made, they had only allowed twenty points throughout the whole game. The Ravens. Yeah, it wasn't anything. great. This is the Buffalo Bills offense. They held the twenty points. Are you going to tell me you don't trust them in this situation? It, it wasn't anything crazy. You did well against them all game. You did so, well. Honestly, and I'm a John Harbaugh guy. But this is now – I thought he would have learned from last year where he made some of these bonehead calls. And I, I got to say, I'm I'm truly surprised. I'm stunned that John Harbaugh made that call right there. Because remember, these are the type of games that the Ravens missed the playoffs by a tiebreaker. This could cost you down the line. And this team, like I said, like they should be 4-0. They look very good other than the defense having a couple lapses and some injuries. This team should be 4-0 right now. I, I'm stunned. I, I do not agree with John Harbaugh at all. That was a horrible decision. And now you're 2-2 two and two in a in a three-team race for first place where you could be 4-0 right now. And it's a crucial matchup. And it's a crucial matchup. And, and the winner of this game, the Bengals-Ravens being, is now going to be in first place <laughs> in the driver's seat in a tough AFC. Yep. So... You let the Bengals right back in, actually. I don't know, man. I kind of disagree. I kind of feel like this kind of falls on Lamar's hands, too, right? Like, as a competitor, you want to go for it on fourth and one. But if the coach is telling you to go for it and you had these nightmares last year, as a franchise quarterback, you should take a step back, say, hey, let's call timeout, let's talk things through, and let's kick a field goal here. You know what I mean? Take command of that fucking football team. You have to, bro. If you are a fucking franchise guy and you want to get paid two hundred and fifty million dollars, you got to step up to the plate when it matters most. And he's you not know, the franchise guy yet. I, I don't. I don't. I don't agree with that. I don't think, we're kicking a field goal, bro. I want to win this game. I think he should take command. He should take command. Thank you, James. Hashtag take command, bro. You gotta take command, dude. If you if you know what's best for your team to win the game, yes, I agree. And I, I don't know if Lamar was shaking his head because they went for it. I think he was shaking his head because they didn't get it. So the it's problem, funny because if, if they go for it and they score a touchdown, Harbaugh's a genius. No, Harbaugh's still an idiot. He's still an idiot. I'm just Harbaugh. saying that's going to be – that will be the thing, right? Like, it, how about the Eagles in the Super Bowl, right? Fourth, fourth down, right? They could have took the points, but they went for it. If they missed that, Peterson looks like an asshole. And he would have been blamed for it. But the fact that he got it, it looks great. Everything looks great. They have a fucking statue of it. So, yeah, it, it makes a difference. So, I, I get it. I could see both sides of it. But in that situation, you take the points. Your defense is playing well. And you going for it just tells your defense you don't trust them in crunch time. Um, so, I, I, I disagree with the with the entire play call. I think it was dog shit. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, they call themselves a win. 
So. I mean, agree with that part. I just don't. I don't think it could be spun on Lamar Jackson, and here's the reason why. The reason you can't call the timeout there, and this is probably why he didn't call it himself, is if you are going for this and you need the ball back at the end of the game, you're going to need those timeouts on the final drive. They, they couldn't burn a timeout there. Quite simply, they needed to make the right call at the right time. You can't burn that timeout right there. That's that's a horrible well, timeout. I mean, I'll counter this. If you kick the field, if you're worried about the timeout and you kick the field goal and you make the timeout, I mean, and you make the field goal, you're up three. That timeout really doesn't do anything for you yeah, because if the Buffalo Bills score a touchdown, you're gonna you're not gonna have any time. You're not gonna have any time as like left as it is. So you're already down to the wire. You might as well just take the points and use your timeout and strategically think about what you're gonna do moving forward well, to win this football game it's That's true all. it's true they could they could score a touchdown but the whole point is is either way even if they if they scored a touchdown if they kicked the field goal and tied the game with the ravens however you spin it they're going to need that timeout on a final drive because the odds are the it's not going to go down to the, to the clock expiring the only reason well, it they went there they only the scored reason, 20 points at that time at, at that time that's not the a lot only of reason they were had if they had 40 Night game, yeah, I, I might go for it if they have forty. Absolutely, I probably. The only go reason, for though, that the clock expired is because the Bills had the luxury of being able to do that at the end. They because the Ravens just went for the uh, they went for it instead of kicking the field goal, taking the points. No, I agree with I mean, that. I, I, you got to keep the you got to keep the timeout in tow. I, I can't spend this on Lamar Jackson. I can't. I'm calling timeout. If 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 I had to strategically think about me going for it or coming up with a play that's even better than what I called, getting more time to develop whatever plan they have for for a two point conversion play at the time, because usually a fourth and one, that's just like your two point conversion play, right? Or something that you have in the back pocket that nobody else knows. So I would call timeout. Hey, do you want to kick a field goal? We'll be up three, play defense, and we'll and let's and let's take our chances with our defense because our defense is playing outstanding. Only gave up twenty points. There was a, less than a minute left in the game, so for me, the timeout that you spend didn't it wouldn't matter if the Bills even went down and tied the game because at that point you have like maybe twenty seconds. That's that's not a lot of time to go go down the field and kick a field goal against the Bills defense. So I, I don't know. I, I would have strategically thought about it. That's my take. I think if they strategically were smart at all, they would have just made the right fucking decision from the get-go, which was just horrible. It's especially after last year. That's what they got to do, um, and then you don't put yourself in that position. So now you're at two and two. We got now though on the yeah, question from Jukebox Talks. Uh, my roommate wants to trade me JT for Ceh and Edmonds. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, if you're acquiring JT. Yeah, I'm taking JT because last year he <laughs> was your a roommate smoking, bro. Last year he was a 24th ranked uh, running back after week four, and he's the same this year. And he was number one last year in the end. So it's JT. He's going to get the volume. I understand he's a little hurt, but it's JT. The upside's worth what you're giving up. Agreed. I don't even think this is a question. Like the CEHs look great. I understand that, but this is this is a number one pick of the draft for a reason. This is this is. Is he's that dude? This is and, arguably the best player, uh, best offensive player in the league. He's literally right up there. And to be honest, Edmonds isn't even the best running back in his backfield. Correct. Correct. There you go. So there you have it. Jukebox talks. Good question. Um, moving on, we have one more, and this is probably going to be a shorter point. And by the way, 
I heard Nick say, who said they like the Bengals in this game? Was it Mike or Nick? Nick. Pals. I like the Ravens in this game, personally. Um, I'm conflicted because I like the matchup for the Ravens in the trenches. However, I hate the matchup for the Ravens against their pass defense. They are 32nd in the NFL, giving up the most passing yards um, in the league right now. And the Bengals starting to hit their stride. If, if they get T. Higgins going and they start shifting that coverage and Jamar Chase gets a little bit free, it's going to be a shootout. And I like the Bengals in this one. I'll take I'll take the Bengals too. And to raise, to raise one point, if the Bills could have passed on the Ravens, you know, I, I think they no, made I mean, the it was, it was a monsoon, bro. I, I mean, I think that they're going to make a difference. I mean, it was a monsoon, bro. Come on. I, I mean, it's, it's fair. It's still balled out. It's fair, but I mean, Jalen Hurts was able to throw the football in the second half of the monsoon too, you know? Like it, and I, I would think that Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and – Josh Allen, they're all better than Jalen Hurts, right? Like that's that's how I look at it. Um, Different. So opinion. I don't want to I don't want to bail them out too much. I'm just saying, um, I do expect the Ravens' pass defense to be better now that Humphrey's on the field. Peters is still adjusting. Peters looked like shit his first game back. I'll be honest with you, but I mean that's that's not too surprising. Um, yeah, but the Bengals, the Bengals wide receivers will make anybody look foolish, and if you're not healthy, true, but- if you're not fully there, you're going to get torched. They it's also true. It's yeah, a fair so point. That's just, just my matchup right there. I think that matchup is going to save the whole game for me. That's why I'm leaning it is the Bengals for me. It's just the matchup favors the Bengals more than the Ravens on that side of the ball. It definitely is the matchup of the game. And for me, all it is is there's one team that's been playing phenomenal football but made a couple of bonehead mistakes, and the other one has not played great football to this point. Um, I hope it's a great game, though. It's Sunday Night yeah, Football. It's, it's a good one. This is a very always going to be good. Like finally, we have another great Sunday night game on the slate. Final game, though, guys, we got one more, and this is kind of a shorter point, so we'll wrap it up. All right, Bulls, Steelers, going back there. Okay, so we just talked about the Bills. The Bills are a fourteen-point favorite at home against the Steelers. I can't remember seeing a line this big against the Pittsburgh Steelers ever in my lifetime. But here we are. It's um, crazy. 14 so points. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, the rookie, is starting in this game. Uh, he's officially at the top of the depth chart. So, really, this is about the Steelers now. And, Nick, you made some points about this earlier. Guys, is it too soon for the Steelers to have turned to Kenny Pickett? Hell no. It's too late, number one. And number two – you start like this is what I'm talking about. This is the dumb shit that they did. They played this game, and now you're starting them against one of the best defenses in the league and a defensive <laughs> head coach mastermind. Agreed. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. From you know why though? Because they were trying to be a proud organization. Oh, we're gonna do right by Mitch. This, that, and the third. No, your rookie lit it up in the preseason, outplayed him, and you went to Mitchell Trubisky because of your ego and your pride. It makes no sense. It's four weeks too late. This could have been four weeks of a learning curve for him so that when it's time to go up against one of the better teams in the NFL, he would be ready to do this. You know, and I'll, I'll be honest. I hated that draft pick from the start. I don't think it was a good pick from the Steelers, considering all their needs. You could have gotten Malik Willis in the third round and taken an offensive tackle in the first. Um, I, I think that they've been butchering their drafts, which is stunning. Um, but in terms of... You know, too soon. I, I am so nervous for the kid only because 
this offensive line is just again this is the running joke that i've i've continued since last year and somehow they got into the playoffs this offensive line is probably the worst in the league and i fear that this kid's gonna get beaten up bad like i hope it doesn't reverse his development i don't think that all three interceptions were his fault in the last game i think one of them maybe but two of them were not his fault um but I just don't I don't think it bodes well for this kid. I just didn't like the pick to begin with. I hate this spot for him. I agree with you, Pauls. Putting him up against this defense. Like it's just curious to me. Um and even last game, if if you're gonna turn it over to the kid, give him a whole week of practice with the first stringers instead of just toss him in this game. Um, a game that you needed to win. And and they lost the game against the Jets. It's a game you've got to win, so uh, the whole thing was botched. I think if you were going to turn it over to him, you should have started him in this Jets game and let him get his feet wet against a much lesser opponent. And then you can worry about this game. This is not a great starting point for him right here. So we'll see. Yeah, I um, agree. I think the Bucks are going to rush. I mean, the, the Bills are going to absolutely demolish him. I mean, it's 14 for a reason. So I think they're going to yeah. literally blow them out, bro. Like, I think they're going to win by 20 plus. Like, this this offense is lethal. And the Steelers have never won a game uh, without J.J. Watt and – or T.J. Watt, sorry. Yeah. Uh, the fact that the fact that T.J. Watt is out again, I mean, this team is going to get blasted on all fronts. Uh, the Bills are home. That stadium's going to be rocking. It's a hard place to play. The Steelers have no idea what they're getting into this week. So I think, judged on the three of our responses, Kenny Pickett's getting thrown through a table in this game, right? Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. The Bills are going to circle the wagons. But real quick, one last note with the Steelers in terms of fantasy football because they do have some good skill position players. Is this better for them or is it worse? No, it's better. Because at least he could throw the ball. Like, he threw the interception on that one deep ball, but at least he attempted it. Like, Mitchell Trubisky is throwing five-yard five passes all day long. I'm a De Deontay Johnson owner in fantasy, and I was telling Nick, he's giving me 12, 13 points a week, but the issue is is that he can't score a touchdown because, they can't, first of all, they can't sustain a drive to get them into the red zone to begin with, and he doesn't throw the ball past five yards. It caps the ceiling. Yeah, and I don't cap. Yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, so, yeah, I, 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 I was looking through the lines. I mean, this is – I'm totally off a of Steelers game. I mean, I think it's going to be a, a blowout. But uh, there's a couple of lines that I found really interesting. Um, Detroit at New England, and New England's minus three. Any thoughts on that real quick? Quick thoughts about it? I think that's a really weird line that, that, you know, the Lions are the best scoring offense in the league, but they also have, you know, the worst defense in the league in terms of scoring – um, again, so I, I, I find it really interesting. You think, like, can New England keep up with the Lions in this matchup? Uh, I don't think they can. I think they're banking on the defense that just had a really good outing against the Packers. So I kind of think that that's kind of carrying over. But I like the Lions in that game, to be honest. I like the Lions outright. I do, too. Although yeah. I will say this, that the Patriots like Bailey Zapp a lot. Um, I'm surprised, actually, that they didn't just let him start this game. And they played a very competitive game, and the defense played very well. So they're going to try and run the run the hell out of football and keep that Lions offense off the field. But I, I, I too, like the Lions. Um, one point, though, going back to the Steelers. I would say this because I was a George Pickens owner, guys. And I did drop him 
not because of him. But if he's out there, I, I would be willing to scoop up George Pickens again because you saw the the instant difference. Uh, they actually tried to get him the ball. The preseason magic carried over between him and Pickett, and he's extremely talented. So I think he passed Claypool in the depth chart. I would and, hope so. Um, he's and yeah, waste of potential there. But I agree with you there too, Pauls, about in terms of you know being able to just take a shot downfield. The one glaring difference is he actually throws down the middle of the field too. Mitchell Trubisky refuses to throw in the middle of the field. So I think this bodes well for everyone on their team in terms of fantasy. Um, any other last wrap-up thoughts, guys, before we call it a night? Yeah, no, I got the, the, you know my my last final thought here uh, for the week. Um, the Saints and Seahawks game that that line is just too weird for me. The Saints are minus five and a half. They're home, uh, but I feel like this is like a Seattle kind of line for me. I don't know what it is. Something tells me to take Seattle in this game, and you know I got you know I, I predicted the Saints to make the playoffs, so they cannot lose this game in order to do so. But something. That's my upset of the week is Seattle over the Saints. I'm glad you said that, Theories, because I love Seattle this week because the Saints are some shit. <laughs> no, no, the Panthers is some shit, bro. They like, are some shit. They are some shit. No defending them. But the Saints are some shit. No, don't do not do that, though, bro. They should have beat the Vikings. They had fucking double doink. And that's some stupid-ass penalties by the Saints, bro. Too. Ah, they stupid had them, bro. They had them. The Saints coach. were marching, bro. They were marching. They were, yeah, they were, you know where they, they marched? You know where they marched? Right know, to the I trash know. can. Yeah, I know. Go ahead. Right I to the that. trash I mean, can. Enjoy. enjoy, bro. Oh, I was day, salivating. No, but, like, no. Honestly, though, I, I like Seattle. I think Seattle's my so upset of the week. So I, do I. And not even for trolling purposes. I genuinely like them. Yeah. I like the way they're playing. I'll give them and that. And Gino better than Russ, if we're being all the way. Oh, wow. oh my God. Yeah, well, you know what? If, if we're being all the way, Gino's stats are better than a number of quarterbacks in the league. I actually hate that angle that everyone's taking on social, especially know, after funny. Russ had a good game. Like, come on, pump the brakes. I mean, I get it, though. It is funny and it's trendy. I'm not of about course. to do that, but he is playing well. Um, I, I, think, I think they'll be competitive in this game, but I actually – I'm going to say this. I think the Saints need to start Andy Dalton in this game. Oh, Mike, I'm so happy you said that. I I totally agree. Andy Dalton is better than Jameis right now. Because not for nothing, he was carving them up. Andy Dalton ran this offense better. And I also would hope that after another week of rest, Alvin Kamara plays in this game. And I would think Andy Dalton is better for Alvin Kamara as well. I think that they need to unleash Alvin Kamara in this game. And I would let the the offensive momentum roll into the next game. I think that it had something going here. I would I would rest Jameis because he's hurt anyway. I would rest him up. But, I mean, uh, I'm not ready to pick the game. I do like I, – I think it's going to be a competitive game. I will say that. Um, the line I just, tells me, bro. The line is so I, weird. Five and I a half. It's the same just, time he's been playing well on offense. Seattle just put up 48. I don't know. I mean, look. I, just I don't I, know I, how. Telling me Seattle. That defense yeah. is so good still. I, Seattle. And I got to say this, too. I came away, speaking of the Saints game, the Vikings were unimpressive in this game, too. Like They, they seem to have gone downhill since week one. Week one was very impressive. Ever since 
since then, though. Eh. Well, I can't you know what's weird? If you Google NFC North rankings right now, I want you to tell me who's the team on That's the top. Okay, it, you can say it as you should, but it's a long no. season. I told you that they, was, would, they would win that first game. It's funny because I bet the Vikings and Nick bet the Saints, and we were both texting each other, and I was like, "What is going on here?" Because Andy Dalton in the second half was carving them to pieces. Yeah, and can I just say this too about Mr. Kevin O'Connell, who had a couple of good calls in this game? I, I I've not been super impressed with Kevin O'Connell so far. I'm not gonna lie; I thought this offense really would be a lot better. I thought they'd be a lot better than they have been so far. But you know, what are we learning here? This is the final thought. What are we learning here about all these teams with new coaches, guys? These offenses are seeing a lot of hiccups. There's no consistency. And you see these guys trying to pick up new schemes. That goes for Minnesota. That goes for Denver. That goes for Oak, or Las Vegas, right? All these teams, you're seeing them struggle a little bit. And it, that even goes for Green Bay. It took Green Bay to get going a little bit because of the change there. There's a number of teams, though, with a lot of changes to the offensive coaching staff, <laughs> the game planning, the scheme, and it's been sloppy so far. And in, even in recent history, I'll point this out because it happened with Brady and the Bucks. It happened with Rodgers and Hackett at the point uh, they hired him. It, it's happened with this, the Stafford and the Rams. So maybe what we're learning here is there's no patience among all the fans so far. Maybe we need to see what happens in month number two with all these teams you mentioned Considering we like a lot of them as a group, we like a lot of these teams that just mentioned and expect them to be competitive, but it has not been pretty so far for a number of them. Let's Look, just put bro, it that way. My final thought is no team has ever won the Lombardi Trophy in the month of September in the history Fact. of the NFL. That's the Fact. bottom line. That's the bottom line. That's my thought. That's, that's Theory's final thought, bro. Ready for this? I'm going to bring the mic into the scene for this one. Control your emotions. It's early, bro. It's so early. Okay. You don't know anything that's going to happen down the line. A lot of things change. Teams fall off. Like, wow, man, they were a mirage. And you're like, damn, like, I thought they were a good team. It happens all, all right. every single year. Any final thoughts from you, Paul? No. I'm all good. There you have it, guys. All right. NFL Week 5 Preview and Week 4 Recap. This I'll miss you guys, though. That's my final thought. I know, very, man. Very, 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 I will very miss you. Powerful. Miss you guys. So, in case you missed it, guys, I'll just start right there. In case you missed it, P and I will not be here on Thursday. However, we will post our picks for the games on Thursday before DNF. All right. We also will not be here on Tuesday. So, the next show is next Thursday. We will be doing our week six picks. We will probably be in person for this. We may not have Philly Phil, but we should probably be in person for this. Stay tuned. All I know is the next show is next Thursday, 8 p.m. Look out for our picks on social. But P&I, episode 112, Powered by Playmaker, is brought to you by Prize Picks. All right? Daily Fantasy Made Easy. You can see our code right there at the top of the screen. Go check it out. All right. Also, we were live at the Props Network at PropsHQ.com, where if you haven't done so already, go and subscribe to P&I. You will not regret it. 
last but not least, if you want PI merchandise, DM us for pricing and details. Nick Theory, show off that hoodie you're wearing. Look at what he's got on. What is it, guys? Fantastic fabric, bro. Fantastic Get today. Place your orders okay. are hot and fresh off and, the press. What the and, fuck are we talking about, Miles, it's a little chilly outside. What are we drinking from? Fantastic ceramic. Fantastic ceramics, man. You got your name on it, okay? All of this merchandise courtesy of IPP Press. Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Nick Theories, take it away. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. We appreciate all the love, support, and the comments. If you guys haven't done so already, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell on YouTube. We are also available on PropsHQ.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, Megaphone, Stitcher, and all that other stool. <laughs> also, follow us on all of our socials, such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And we will see you guys next week at PI, baby. Enjoy week five.